0: should be on. Um...
1: Okay. <clears throat> Numbers 3 verses 40 to 51. And the Lord said to Moses, List all the firstborn males of the people of Israel from a month old and upward, taking the number of their names. And you shall take the Levites for me. I am the Lord instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites, instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the people of Israel. So Moses listed all the firstborn among the people of Israel, as the Lord commanded him, and all the firstborn males, according to the number of names, from a month old and upward, as listed, were 22,273. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle. The Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. And as the redemption price for the 273 of the firstborn of the people of Israel over and above the number of the male Levites, you shall take five shekels per head, you shall take them according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 geras, and give the money to Aaron and his sons as the redemption price for those who are over. So Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those redeemed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the people of Israel, he took the money, 1,365 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons according to the word of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Lord, thank you for your word, thank you for your plans God. you are the great planner and you are um, you have plans that are over and above what we can imagine, Lord but we just um, we pray that you would show us um, today through your word, what you would like us to learn um, from this section of scripture, God, and, and we pray and ask that you uh, would help us to commit our plans to you, Lord. Guide us and direct us in this new year, in our families, in our church, in our communities, in our workplace, Lord, and we um, pray your blessing upon, upon us, Lord, and we pray that you bless Jonathan, as he shares
0: with us and the rest of our service, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 22,273. If you have a pen or a highlighter, mark that in your Bible. Highlight that number in your Bible. You will never need to know that number again. But if somebody sees your Bible, they'll know that you've highlighted and underlined something, so think you're super spiritual. That was... okay. Be free to laugh at my ridiculousness. So last Sunday was so great. It was um, a blessing to hear from some dear friends that are back around for a little while and just have some uh, potluck action. Loving potlucks. Our next one is when? Anybody know? February 19th. Check your calendars. Members meeting and potluck meal to celebrate Scott and Melanie for their years of service. Uh, Scott, as an elder... And Melanie for putting up with Scott as an elder. And so, um, but as great as last Sunday was and the weekend was, just in the life of the church, over the weekend, in like my regular personal life, I guess, my home life, I was reminded of my imperfection and need for cosmic intervention. And it had nothing to do with Stacy. um, But the rain beat me. Right? Did anybody else struggle with as much rain as we have? As many of you know, we bought and renovated our house, and when we did so, we converted what was the garage into our bedroom. And so the floor of our bedroom is still essentially a garage floor that is designed to move any water that's in it towards the front, out of the the garage, making what is under our sliding glass door the lowest point in the floor of our bedroom. And it just so happens that the lowest point in our yard is the driveway right in front of our bedroom as well. So when the ground is oversaturated with Just a ton of water, and it has nowhere to go. A lake forms in our driveway and eventually creeps through what is supposed to be a sealed door and wall. And our floorboards start to squish a little bit. And all the way on Stacy's side of the bed, it started to squish. So the squish is gone. But hopefully. So we might... will. We'll have Dave over to do some flooring in that one low section of the house. But the thing is, we didn't just leave it as it was. Like, we weren't, oh, let's see how much water we can get in what used to be the garage. It, we had, we employed some really interesting strategies. I don't know if anybody was over to small group on Tuesday. I wasn't there. But you saw, like, these 12-foot rain gutters far into the side yard. And you would probably judge us in that moment. They're, they're hidden away as just a temporary... Fixed, right, But we tried to push water as far as we could away from the house because uh, the one drain spout from our gutters goes right into the lake. It's a terrible design, right? And we even had sandbags lined up along the wall to create another barrier, and that seemed to help quite a bit. And even the family physically pushed the water further into the street and the yard when the lake would form. And ultimately, though, I just needed the rain to stop. And thankfully it did. And then like Thursday night it rained again and it was like, what? There's not any rain in the forecast, but no flooding that night. So it's good. But all those steps that we took, all the measures we employed were just temporary at best. And they won't fully solve the problem, will they? Because the water will always find a way back in when it has the opportunity for it. So... I need, as a homeowner, to keep my sanity and safety of my home a better solution. I need it to be dry so I can apply some Flex Seal and come up with a strategy for better flood control. And I think we're almost there. And watch, it will never rain in Escondido again. <laughs> but I think that so much of life is, 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 is our lives are exactly like this. We Recognize problems and then we try out temporary solutions and we always are just needing a permanent fix for the problem. Think of a longing for relationship in what is a hookup culture, right? You put yourself out there and none of what you experience matches the good desire that you have for relationship. Or maybe you put your worth in vocation. I just think of like the tech sector and the number of layoffs happening that's all just social contagion. They're just laying people off because other people are laying people off. There's no reason for it. But if I put my worth, my value as a person, in my vocation, I might think the next promotion is going to solve my anxiety or correct the sense that I'm just an imposter in my current role. Or I think... Along in a young marriage, that children will solve the marital tension that we have, or they're gonna finally give me some joy, which they do, they give you joy, but you just end up so exhausted that somehow you have another child in your delirium, right? And we, we, or seriously delirious, some of us, right? <laughs> Even, even in relating to God, we can devise a universe of our own liking or come up with a God of our own liking that just leaves me with essentially no compass whatsoever for the journey of life and no leverage for me to get any better, to change, to become who I am meant to be. And in all these things and more, we try to fix the difficult problems to solve them with our own ingenuity. Our perseverance, our mettle, and these efforts may work for a while or even maybe for a long time, but the rains eventually come and the water finds its way. And this morning, we don't have advice on the lesser solutions. There are appropriate places for those conversations, but we do, in fact, have the answer to the solution that is over and above all solutions that that actually provides the basis to solve things that are off in our lives, the one that sets everything else in order for us and gives us a better perspective when the waters do rise in life. Because, friends, it's actually a priest that we need, someone to link us to our Creator, to make sense of it all. So this morning, the big idea is that Jesus is the perfect priest we need for redemption And for life. And we see it in Numbers 3, believe it or not. This is the story of Israel in the wilderness, the generation that will miss the promised land, and then the generation that will enter into it. And in these first chapters, we have seen already there's uh, been a census ordered by God, a count of all the men that are able to fight in each tribe. So we know exactly who is part of Israel and who's ready to move into the land that he has promised them. And then we saw the order in which they were to move, how the camp was to be oriented, who camped where, on which side of the tabernacle, and we found what was at the center. And now we have an introduction of the priestly class of people, the Levites. These are the people responsible for Israel's worship and the keeping of the tabernacle, the very center of relationship between God and Israel. And in our reading, we jumped ahead a bit through the count of the Levites to save Chris, some of the names and numbers that we've uh, forced the other scripture readers to have to suffer through. So your favor's not fair, Chris. Just take it. But we see, if we were to look at all of chapter 3 and some of chapter 2, that the Levite tribe, the group of these priests, is made up of the Gershonites, the Kohathites, and the Merari. And these are some names you may remember from our reading of Old Testament in the years. They've come up in the book of Genesis. And in this interaction, in verses 5 through 10, we hear this. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron, the priest, that they may minister to him. They shall keep guard over him and over the whole congregation before the tent of meeting as they minister at the tabernacle. They shall guard all the furnishings of the tent of meeting and keep guard over the people of Israel as they minister at the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons They are wholly given to him from among the people of Israel. And you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall guard their priesthood. But if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. So here in chapter 3 of Numbers, we have an account that is essentially just laying out a pattern for God's people and then subtly pointing to something that is better than that pattern. And so we just start with the idea of an imperfect pattern in that outlines and regulations, the laws and commands given by Yahweh for worship are just structuring a pattern of relationship. And it's how God and his people relate to one another, how they experience covenant promises and the appropriate response to the redemption he's worked in their story. And remember, this is the wandering in the wilderness that comes after the exodus from slavery in Egypt. So they have been delivered out of slavery. And this is the story of their ongoing journey on their way to experiencing that promise of a land. And here in worship, the Levites represent the people. They are themselves part of the pattern. Thankful for some New Testament help this morning. We're going to look a lot at Hebrews 9 and. 10, but we get this description from Hebrews 9. For a tent was prepared, the first section, in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of presence. is called the holy place. And behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the table or tablets of the covenant uh, above it were the cherubim of Glory overshadowing the mercy seat of these things, we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. Uh, But into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. So it's a look at how temple worship happens, and this is the pattern that is established with the people in the wilderness with the tabernacle. There are just a few things of the Levites that stand out that I think shape the pattern for us, that help us recognize what is needed in relationship with God. And first, it's that they represent the firstborn of Israel. Verse 11, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, and Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the people of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the people of Israel. The Levites shall be mine, for all the firstborn are mine. On that day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated for my own all the firstborn of Israel, both of man and of beast, and they shall be mine. I am the Lord. So when God sent his destroying angel to go through Egypt and kill all the firstborn sons in the land, he passed over the firstborn sons of Israel. And the firstborn of Egypt were struck down while God spared the firstborn of Israel from death. It's the story of the Passover, of their redemption. And as a result, then the firstborn in Israel now belong to God. They're to be set apart, consecrated, made over, promised to him. And it's a declaration that they are not their own, but belong to God. And that's who the Levites are, that is a representative of all the firstborn of Israel. They are the ones that their whole existence is for God. We might wrestle with that idea a little bit because we think, well, maybe they should have agency to determine their own lives. Shouldn't they choose if they want to be a priest or if they want to be a rancher or, or a farmer? Right. But we realize uh, appropriately that belonging is what humanity was made for. So here, belonging to God is actually a good thing where the greatest good is experienced for those that are Levites. So belonging to God, they are representative of Israel. Their sacrifices are for the whole, for all of the tribes. They're vouching for them. Their work is accounted as the work of the nation. They're also substitutes in a similar way. They're Levites in place of Israel. They are mediators between God and man, and their work inside and outside the tabernacle shows them to be essentially acting as a barrier between God and the people. See this in verse 38 just before our reading this morning. Those who were to camp before the tabernacle on the east before the tent of meeting toward the sunrise were Moses and Aaron and his sons guarding the sanctuary itself to protect the people of Israel. And any outsider who came near was to be put to death. A second reminder of that truth. Only those whom God had chosen and appointed could serve as priests. Anyone else who tried to approach God was subject to the death penalty. It's significant. And it's more than just representing Israel. The Levites actually do the work of worship in the place of the whole. In the place of all the other tribes. This tribe is the one that is the substitute for them. They act as protection for the tabernacle and for the people because God is holy. started to briefly touch on this last week, that God is so different, he is so perfect, so holy, that sin cannot be in his presence. And Israel, as a nation knows of his holiness, they've already experienced those that would be swallowed up by his Holiness, it's why they keep outsiders away from offering sacrifice. Only the Levites can do it, the priestly order. Exodus 15, they say, who is like you, O Yahweh, among the gods, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonder?" This experience for them in the wilderness rightfully gives them pause before the holiness of God. And this pattern is set up because not just any average Joe in their experience can go and interact in the tabernacle. It has to be the priest, the substitute for the people. God is so far above us, so beyond us, that it's dangerous in this exchange to be in his presence. Yet he comes near. The Levites serve as a buffer, strictly living in obedience before him. They have ordered worship following the pattern that he has set. All for Israel. Then we see that this arrangement actually cost Israel something. As substitutes for the firstborn of Israel, they are owed a redemption price. And that's, if you're an underlying person, in what Chris read this morning, It said redemption price price two or three times. And those are things you should underline. There's five shekels for each firstborn to pay for the work, to fund the ministry of the Levites. Ian Duguid, who is a scholar and pastor, some of you... Phil was worried I wasn't giving proper attribution to the scholar that I've been quoting in this series. And so there, I just did. (laughs) He says, they are a reminder that when God rescued his people, he did so with a price. Someone had to substitute for the Israelite firstborn if they were not to, or if they... If they were not to die. In fact, in the plan of God, there were two aspects to his redemption. In the first place, someone had to pay the price of death that Israel deserved in their place, which was the role of the Passover lamb. And then second, though, someone also had to pay the price of the life of obedience that Israel owed by being completely given over to God in their place. That was the part that the Levites had to play in all of this. In the redemption of the firstborn. It's not so much a matter of do or die. But do and die. The job of the Passover lamb was to die. The job of the Levite was to live completely devoted to God. And this is what they pay into this redemption price. It's the pattern that's laid out, how they are to relate to God, needing a representative, those that would substitute in their place. And it cost them a redemption price. But the pattern was imperfect because the priests were imperfect. They wouldn't all follow the pattern and they would end up paying for it and we skipped over, we didn't read in verse 4, but uh, Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord when they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai, and they had no children. So Eleazar and Ithamar served as priests in the lifetime of Aaron and their father. So though there, there were priests that got it wrong, that were disobedient, that didn't follow the pattern proving that the, they, this pattern's imperfect because the people you're relying on are imperfect. Even in the wilderness, careless, carelessness in serving a holy God can be fatal. There's this consistent stumbling and getting things wrong that will happen as we study the rest of the book of Numbers. And generations later, the people would lose the pattern altogether. The northern tribes would completely reject it and start their own pattern of worship and be wrong, and it's just never quite enough to cover sin and make things right before God. It's always going to be the tension, always going to be the problem. This week, as many of you know, I was up in Pasadena for some gospel coaching with Redeemer City to City, and I was not prepared for how significant of an experience it would be to think through or to Uh, interact with people, and the weight of the issues that people are facing in life and ministry in this moment. And this was just the coaches that are practicing to help other people, right? The ways that we try to be our own priests, to be our own mediators between God and us, to order everything just perfectly, to make no mistakes, to make the right sacrifices, to finally be pleasing to God. It's a weight that none of us can bear. We bail our own water when we need someone else to do it for us. The truth is, with the flooding, we spent two days bailing water as a family. And Stacey posted on Instagram, some of you saw, the kids were out there bailing water. I was writing a sermon, that's why I wasn't there. I had done it in the night, in the early hours. But of course, I don't get credit. <laughs> I am part of the team, you're right. But in Stacy posting the video of the kids doing it, Roger, he's a big bear this weekend, but Roger, practicing the shepherding that he's going to do as an elder, texted me a link to the pump that he bought for his yard. You need to know, I ordered it, it arrived yesterday, we're ready. (laughs) Because we could make some progress pushing the rain when it slowed down but our bailing was insufficient to hold back the tide of a gully washer and this is life for us isn't it we strive we bail the water but what we actually need is a pump the wilderness teaches us this Levites as part of a pattern are pointing beyond the pattern because the establishment of this pattern of worship and relating to God in the wilderness is friends, a lot like parenting, not to scare you, <laughs> maybe <laughs> to scare you. right? Because we just parent setting a pattern for our kids, hoping that they will mature, following it just with enough of a collection of breadcrumbs that they can find their way home. For Israel, some will follow the crumbs into the promised land, but the pattern isn't perfect and many will miss out on what has been promised. These wilderness whispers become echoes pointing to a permanent solution. Because what the people need, what we need to relate to God is a perfect priest. So are you ready to hear about the perfect priest? Because I'm ready to tell you. Reading these stories in numbers, in any of our study of the Old Testament, the accounts of God's people in the Old Testament, we should always be looking forward. They're always pointing to something better. And you need to know it's not about you moving into finally what you can do or how big your faith is or anything. It is pointed to the one that we need. Because we need a representative that is spotless like a lamb. We need a substitute to take our place, a redemption price to be paid that we could never afford for even those that are outside of Israel. Because there's a better covenant and a better priest that has come along. And spoiler is Jesus. Amen. The Old Testament points to a better prophet, a better. King and a better priest, the sacrifices of the temple, even uh, that we see in the tabernacle and even eventually in the temple performed by the Levites are just insufficient to fully cover the sin of humanity. And these are sacrifices that even God's own people would eventually take for granted. There has to be something more. Hebrews 10, we see, but in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year for it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So Yahweh, God himself, sends his son to dwell among us to be our perfect priests. Hebrews 9, but when Christ appeared as a high priest, I thought I thought I should just read all of, you know, Hebrews 9 and 10, but I'm breaking it up just a little bit. But you can read it later and you'll get saved again. blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purified our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgression committed under the first covenant. Just like Israel, we are redeemed, brought out of slavery to sin and our rejection of God, given a life in him. Finally, fully hope for the future and the strength to get through the wilderness. And the wilderness journey is not easy. It may even be painful, as Aaron and I were talking about this morning. It ain't easy, but it is good because he has us. Amen, Clara. Jesus, our, you don't like my yelling, sorry, I'm passionate. But here's Jesus, our representative, living perfectly obedient in our place. He's our substitute, taking on a death that we deserve, and he's paid a redemption price with his blood that is shed for us. And Israel's journey tells the story, it tells of their need, of the temporary solutions they employed, always coming up short. And the truth is, we too are on a journey, aren't we? All of life unfolding that we would go looking for a solution. and here it is. Having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. You were put in place where you are on purpose because God wants you to seek after him and feel your way towards him that you would find him because he's not very far from us you're not your own you're made to seek him and he comes among us to free us to give us a way of life a new pattern to bring us into the promise Phil is modeling how we should respond to that. (laughs) Hallelujah. And that's it. That's what we need. Oh my God, goodness, right? Woo! I'm going to sit down in a minute. But because this is true, because... The Bible is true. We now can live differently. We can journey differently. We can face the floods of life differently because we are secure. We are kept. We are covered by Jesus, our perfect priest. And we're made perfect by our perfect priest. We can stop bailing the water. The pump will do the work. Our substitute has his perfection, by his perfection, made us spotless, given us life to live in new ways, trusting, giving him glory, and telling other drenched souls how to come and dry out. Jesus is the perfect priest we need for redemption and life. And you better believe he is all we are ever going to serve up. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence So, friends, recognize the pattern. Recognize your need for a representative, for a substitute, a redemption price to be paid. And then run to the perfect priest. Realize you can't do it on your own. Your striving is but of waste when the priest has done the work. Believe in Jesus because he is for you. And then live. This is what we get to do with each other. Live with hope, with identity in Him, purpose, worship, living to tell somebody about. Jesus is the perfect priest that we need for redemption and life. Set your house on the rock so when the rain comes, it will stand. Friends, the fix is in. Be free, free others, draw near. To our king, shall we? Let's pray. Mm. Jesus, every now and again, you remind us of the truth of your finished work with such overwhelming grace by the spirit that we could go on and on. And we are meant to go on and on in all of life, reveling in your finished work, trusting in your grace for us, that redemption is real, that you have us, that even the mundane experiences of our life are on purpose that we would seek after you. Lord, make us a seeking people. Make us a people that is not Confident in our own strength or our own ability but uses weakness as our secret sauce because you are our strength. Or for some of us in this place, we've tried to get our lives all together under our own strength. We've tried the different strategies, methods, tools. And they've all left us wanting and we surrender those to you this morning. Or we can't go on bailing water. We need a pump. And you've provided yourself for that work. Help us to rest anew in you and your finished work for us. Lord, make us also a reminding community that calls others back home to the finished work on the cross for us. We can live settled, hopeful, and oriented to the day that you will call us home. That you would be glorified in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.